this week you're living a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump, or your place looks like a dump, you're living a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call it Money Pit is presented by Greenworks, NWFA, and Home Advisor. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Happy spring. What's on your to-do list? If it involves your home, you're in exactly the right place because we're here to help you get those projects done, whether it's cleaning or improving or remodeling or repair. We'd love to talk with you about what's going on in your money pit, help you turn it from money pit to castle. Give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEY-PIT with your home improvement questions, and we will do our best to give you the answer. Coming up on today's show, now that the weather is warming up, it's a great time to make sure your windows are clean so you can see all that sunshine that's coming through about now. We're going to give you some DIY window cleaning tips, including our number one most asked about recipe for a solution that you can mix up from items you have in your own house to make them sparkling clean. And also ahead, are you finding that your bathroom could use a pick-me-up? Well, cleaning the grout between the tiles can actually do wonders for that space. General Contractor Tom Silva from TV's Thizzle House is stopping by to tell you how to do it. And now that spring's in full swing, you may be finding that the between the lawnmowers and the kids' bikes, you might be a little tight on outside storage. So building a shed is a good solution. We're going to tell you what you need to know to plan that project and what you need to know to make sure your local town building inspector doesn't make you tear it down. <laughs> oh, that would be the worst. Whatever you are working on, guys, we are here to lend a hand. We want to know what's on your spring to-do list. Let us know. We'll give you a hand. We'll help you get it done right the first time. Come up with some fun ideas and make it easy for you to try to do on your own or help you find the right pro. So give us a call. That number is one eight 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 Money Pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. Let's get to it, Leslie. Who's first? Lori in Missouri's on the line and needs help with some speckling. What's going on? Well, I have uh, it. Basically, it's that popcorn ceiling. Yep. And I'd like to know an easy way that's not so messy to remove it. I want to have a flat ceiling. Unfortunately, you can't do that without the mess. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be quite a messy project. Um, there are a couple of, of tricks of the trade that uh, will help you, though. But let me kind of walk you through this. The first thing you need to do is to test it for asbestos because you want to make sure that there's no asbestos in that sort of popcorn material. You can uh, pick up an asbestos testing kit at most home centers and major hardware stores, or you could use an outside lab. It's not terribly expensive. Once we know that it's not asbestos, then your first option is kind of what we call the wet scrape. And what you do is you start with uh, kind of like a one-gallon garden sprayer, a garden pump sprayer, and you spray that popcorn material very lightly. You don't want to overspray it, but you want to kind of saturate it and let it sit for 10 or 15 minutes. And then you should be able to take a spackle knife or a putty knife and simply scrape off that ceiling. Go slow, start in a small area, make sure that it has absorbed the water. And uh, once you've scraped that entire ceiling, you can kind of take a survey of the job because I'm sure you missed some spots. <laughs> and of course, the second option is to do that, but do it dry 
And it's totally doable, meaning it's been done, though, with varying levels of success. It's not to- totally encouraged um, because if you do, of course, have any asbestos, obviously you can't do it. If you have lead paint, it's a problem. It's much easier for stuff to become airborne, so it's a very, very dusty um, way to go. Now, there is a tool that's available that kind of helps with this, and um, one is called a popcorn sealing scraper. It's actually a vacuum attachment. It attaches to your shop vac or your wet-dry vac, and as you sort of pull it across that surface and the debris scrapes off, it goes right into the vacuum. And then there's another one that Homax makes that's just like a very, very wide scraper, kind of like think of it as like a 10 or 12-inch wide spackle blade, and that can help you with the project too. But, you know, if your your desire was to try to do it uh, in a way that uh, was less messy, it's just not going to happen. By nature of the beast, it's going to be very messy. And then, Leslie, once that stuff is down – you know, she's probably not going to have a perfectly clean ceiling as much as you would have if it was brand new. But I think you do have to prime it before you're painting it, right? Oh, absolutely. And I was going to say, when you're scraping, try not to, like, gouge too deeply. You don't want to damage the ceiling any further in the process to give you more stuff to repair. But a primer is going to be really imperative, you know, Latex primers are available. You can get ones that are oil-based. You can get a bin or a zinzer. You really want to sort of seal in that surface and then always go with a flat paint on the ceiling and make sure you get ceiling paint because that's just going to adhere more nicely to a ceiling since it is over your head and it does have a little bit more thickness than a regular wall paint would. But after that, I think you're going to be super happy. I appreciate it. My husband's laughing at me. (laughs) (laughs) He's laughing because he's not going to do it. Jeff in Nebraska is working on a vegetable garden. How can we help you? I want to make like a raised garden bed and use like wood logs. But I don't know what kind of, what the best wood is to use. So I'm not having to, you know, so it doesn't get eaten away and I have to reuse or redo it every couple of years. So when you're saying wood logs, you want something that looks more natural? Yeah. I mean, what I want to do is is raise the bed up and use, use it kind of as a border. Right, I got that. But you want something more decorative rather than just pressure-treated lumber boards that really do serve the purpose of containing the wood and raising the bed. Something a little decorative. First of all, you want treated wood because if you have untreated wood, it's going to rot. In terms of your options on treated wood, the most common option would be to use a pressure-treated tie. Now, ties are available in either 4x4 or 6x6, and they look pretty rustic. And when you put them down, they're going to be kind of greenish, and they'll look unnatural. But, you know, give it uh, a few months, it'll start to gray out Mm -hmm. and blend in. And dry out, even. And dry out, yeah, and blend in with the surrounding area. That's going to be the easiest, most cost-effective way to go. And you can pick up those ties at home centers, and they're really not very expensive because they're designed to be decorative and sit in the ground. They're not; it's not the same kind of pressure-treated lumber you might use if you're building like a retaining wall or something of that nature. It's basically just designed to be a border surround for a garden or a pool or something like that. Okay. um, When I put it down, am I going to have to uh, say if I got two or three stacked up? Am I going to have to drill through them and spike something into the ground? Uh, Good question. Now, if 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 you're going to have two or three of them stacked up, you're going to what you're going to want to do is obviously alternate the the uh, the joints so that you have uh, one long one go across two smaller ones. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then once it's all done, you can 
pre-drill and put in some long, they have 12-inch spikes that you drill through those. So you get a long drill bit, pre-drill it, and then put a couple of spikes, and that will hold it all together nice and neat. But you'll also find that the weight of them, the sheer weight and the strength of them, uh, is pretty sturdy by itself. But if you want to really tack it together, you can do that with long spikes. Or you could toenail it on an, on an angle with, like, number 12 common nails okay. towards the base just to kind of keep everything in place. So if I just nail them together and then have the, have the dirt up against them, they shouldn't go anywhere? That's right. They're pretty, they're pretty sturdy. Okay. Well, that answers all my questions. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Up next, are you looking for an easy way to make your windows sparkle? Well, we've got a recipe for a natural window cleaner that you can mix from the stuff we're sure you already have right at home inside your cupboards, your closets, your cabinets, wherever you might keep your supplies after this. You live in a Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get socked with allergens too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Pit is presented by Greenworks Power Tools. Make life easier with battery power. Optimal performance without the cost and frustration of gas. Save time and money with battery-powered Greenworks Tools. Visit GreenworksTools.com to learn more. Where home solutions live, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now with your home improvement, your decor, your repair, or remodeling question at 1-888-MONEY-PIT, presented by HomeAdvisor.com. You'll never have to worry about overpaying for a job. Just use their true cost guide to see what others paid for a similar project. Then get matched with top-rated pros, read reviews, get quotes, and book appointments. All for free at HomeAdvisor.com. Carolyn, Arkansas is on the line with a septic system question. How can we help you today? Okay, I have a septic system, and uh, we've had a lot of rain here. Um, oh, probably the last maybe three months or so. It's been like a lot of rain. And I'm in the uh, kind of the rice land of Arkansas. It's very uh, wet ground. Okay. So anyway, um, I was having trouble when I would flush the commode, uh it now never ran over, which I'm very grateful for. But the water wasn't going down. Okay, and I mean it would go down eventually, but maybe take twenty minutes or more. 
Okay, does everything else in your house drain normally? Is it only the commode that you're having a problem with? It's uh, well, the commode and um, and the the sink in the bathroom. Well, but do we know that it's the septic system? There could be an obstruction in the drain, and that's the first thing I'd look at. Okay, um, I did have uh, some fellows out and uh, reputable company, and they did pump out um, 120 gallons. Well, you, that's but that you're you're always going to have 120 gallons. The septic tank fills up with water; it overflows into the field. So pumping out 120 gallons doesn't really tell me anything. What I want you to do is to have the lines checked because I suspect there's nothing wrong with your septic that you may have an obstruction. Let me tell you a, a story about a guy who had a, a toilet that was having a slow drain problem. Um, this guy was having a party and was doing this big cleanup for you know before all the relatives showed up the next day and so the toilet backed up and so he figured out that he thought it was a root problem and so he got up early the next morning and dug this huge hole in his ground to get down to this pipe and then snaked it one way snaked it the other way couldn't find any roots in the way went back into the bathroom, decided that the obstruction had to be between the hole that he dug in his ground and the bottom of the toilet. And so he took the toilet tank off of the floor and looked down into it and tried to snake that out and couldn't find a problem. But in the process of taking the toilet off the floor, he happened to look into the bottom of the toilet and noticed that there was something blue there. Now, there's nothing that's really supposed to be blue that's in a toilet. It turns out that his darling son had dropped a toy phone down the toilet, and that's what was slowing the whole thing down. So this guy had dug up his whole yard, took his toilet apart, all to try to find out what was causing this problem, and hurried to get it done before all the relatives showed up, and it turned out to be a toy that was stuck in the toilet itself. So I'd say that guy was a real idiot, and <laughs> that guy was me. Oh, okay. I'm like, I've heard this story before. I'm like, why do I think this was you, I was Tom? completely wrong on why I thought that, that. I figured I was smarter than the average uh, home homeowner and knew that it thought it was the willow tree that had clogged the pipes. It had nothing to do with that. Oh, it was right. just a simple toy that was stuck in the crux of the toilet that I couldn't see. And we finally got that off, put the whole thing back together, threw the dirt back in the hole, and, and, and then headed off to get ready for the party. <laughs> so you never know well, why <laughs> your toilet is clogging. And I wouldn't always think it's the most expensive possible thing, which is your septic system. Have the lines checked. Okay. And who knows? Maybe you'll find uh, something that got stuck in there. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Well, now that the weather is warming up, it's a great time to brighten up your windows and let that sunshine in. After this long and cold and wet and snowy winter, a lot of dirt and grime and even salt and sand from the driveway and the street can accumulate on them. Yeah, now there's an easy way to get those windows clean and sparkling again. All you need to do is mix one part white vinegar with 10 parts water. It is a, an amazingly effective solution that you can make for less than a penny. Then you can use old cotton socks to wipe those windows clean. The socks can go right over your hands so you can get into all those tight corners and grooves, and that's going to leave the glass shiny and bright. And if you end up with any lint on that glass that you're kind of are noticing, well, follow up with another wipe, but just use newspaper this time. Newspaper works great to wipe down those windows as well. Bob in Washington's on the line with a roofing question. What can we do for you today? I'm looking at putting a roof on the home, and in the Yellow Page ads, there's one advertises 
um, against the other. There's two you know, larger um, contractors here. And one um, suggests that he's better by using a hand-nailed um, technique versus the, you know, air mechanical. And I'd like your thoughts on that. Well, I think it makes no difference whether the roofing product is nailed by hand or nailed with an air gun. Both are completely acceptable ways to fasten roofing products to the house. I think what makes the difference between one pro to the other is really their workmanship. So I would not be um, confused by competing claims of how a roof is nailed. I could see somebody using that as it's kind of like, you know, hand cut, hand finished, hand nailed. You know, you have this sort of vision of something that's like quality and craftsmanship involvement, right? But I really don't think it makes a difference. But what makes all the difference when hiring a roofer is the quality of that work and how well the roof is put together, especially when it comes to those intersections that have to be flashed. So if L else looks good with these two roofers, I would do a deeper dive on the references and, you know, perhaps check online sites like Service Magic or Angie's List, sites like that to just double check what the reputations are, talk to past customers. You know, last time I had to hire a contractor that I did not know, I did uh, get a list of references. And I got to say, I think the contractor was quite shocked when I actually called these folks. So get the references and call them. And, and you'll find people are generally very willing to uh, to talk to you uh, about their experience with the contractor. So I think that's the best way to proceed. Workmanship makes all the difference when it comes to hiring a roofer. On the roofing material um, up in the Northwest, where I am now, would, um, is there, and I'm looking at a conventional three-tab asphalt-type uh, composition roof, is there a better grade of material or something that I should be looking for? As you can tell, this is a first-time roof for me. So, Are you in a high wind area? We do get quite a bit of wind up where I'm at, up kind of up on a hill. I would consider the wind resistance, but I mean, a product like an Owens Corning shingle is excellent. Um, but I would definitely consider the wind resistance and buy a, a product that's weighted for that's rated for wind. Some of those, I know, some of those uh, OC shingles are rated for over 100 miles an hour. I think it's even up to 150. Yeah. The good news is the roof will be there, the house not so much. Well, thank you so much. That's uh, that's been enlightening to me to, to to hear what you have to say. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Diane in Arizona needs some help with air conditioning. And being in Arizona, you're going to need some air conditioning. How can we help you? I had um, a settlement with the insurance company because we had a storm here, and I got my air conditioner got damaged, and it was 10 years old. And it's a central air. I have uh, electric for air conditioning, and uh, for heat, we have gas. And when I don't, I do not have a computer, so I hear about different units like York, Goodman, Train, Linux. I don't know which ones are good, which ones are bad, which ones last longer. First of all, are you only replacing the outside condensing unit, or are you also replacing the furnace and the air handler or any of the inside parts? Everything. Everything. Okay. Because it's important for maximum efficiency that what you put outside matches what you put inside the house. And because they're, they have to work together, or you don't get the same efficiency. I think the Train is a very good brand to start with, T-R-A-N-E. Good quality product, um, lots of great options, 
and very energy efficient. It's going to be real important, Diane, that you choose one that is Energy Star rated. I'm sure they all are with Train, but even if you go to a different brand, um, if you compare Energy Star rated units against other Energy Star rated units, at least you have a basis for comparison. At least you know that you're getting uh, the same level of energy efficiency. But Train is a good place to start, and uh, now's a great time to get this project done before it gets too hot. That's wonderful to know because there's a lot out there. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Hey, is your bathroom starting to look a little drab and even dingy? Well, Tom Silva from TV's This Old House is here with a budget-friendly pick-me-up that makes the perfect weekend project next. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. It is presented by Bonide. Picture-perfect deep green lawns start with Bonide's DuraTurf grass seed blends. DuraTurf grass seed has top-rated varieties that perform in sun, shade, drought, and even heavy use. Bonide products are family-made in America and available at Bonide.com. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. What are you working on this weekend? If it's your house, we'd love to talk with you about it. Maybe it's your apartment, your condo, whatever you call home. Your yurt, if it's a tent. We don't (laughs) care. We don't judge. We're just here to help you get those projects done and answer your how-to questions. Give us a call right now to help yourself first at 1-888-MONEY-PIT, presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Never worry about overpaying for a job. Use the HomeAdvisor True Cost Guide to see what others paid for similar projects. All for free at HomeAdvisor.com. Rick in North Dakota is on the line with a driveway repair question. How can we help you today? I have a concrete driveway that uh, um, over the years it started getting like little 
pits in it and some of the areas it almost looks like it's you know where rocks have popped out of the concrete from over time and there's other areas that you know little small little scales or sheets of uh, uh, concrete have come loose and I'm just wondering what type of a product um, I can use to uh, repair those pits. I know I've seen different times where people have put regular concrete in there and it's it doesn't tend to stay very well. So what you want to do is use a concrete patching product and it's not just regular concrete or regular cement because that won't stick. It usually is epoxy based. I know Quickcrete has a product designed specifically for this and you can go to their website at quickcrete.com. It's spelled Q-U-I-K-R-E-T-E dot com. The epoxy based products will stick to the old original concrete material and not fall out the first time the surface surface freezes. Now, I just want to also point out that being in North Dakota, I'm sure you get a lot of road salt on that driveway, and that probably contributes to this. But if you're doing any salting on your own, make sure you're using potassium chloride, not calcium chloride, because potassium chloride is much less corrosive to the concrete surface and will not cause that destruction that you're witnessing now. All right. Does that help you out? Yep, that does. Thank you very much for your assistance. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Well, grout is the material that you use to fill your spaces between tiles. And when it looks dirty or drab, it can drag down the look of an entire room. Well, the good news is cleaning or replacing weathered grout has an equally powerful effect on a space. Here to tell us how to do it the right way is Tom Silva, the general contractor on TV's This Old House. Welcome, Tom. Thank you. It's nice to be here. So let's start by determining whether you should clean the grout or replace it completely. Is it ever possible that the grout's just so dirty it's not worth it? Absolutely. Lots of times you want to replace the grout, you'll see signs of it's falling out in areas that get a lot of movement. Usually against the backsplash and the countertop, it starts to get loose in there because of different expansion and contraction. So structurally, too, it could be falling apart. But if you do want to clean it, does the choice of cleaner really depend on the type of tile you're dealing with? It sure does. Let's say, for example, a glazed tile. Well, a glazed tile, you may want to opt for a commercial cleaner and a bristle brush or a non-metallic scouring pad. Right. Put the cleaner on there, and you're just going to scrub it really well. Because that tile can really stand up to it. Yeah, exactly. It's tough stuff. Unglazed tile as a natural cleaner is a better way to go because the tile isn't as tough. You can use a baking soda and water and mix it up as a paste and put it on there, apply, and then use a softer brush to clean it. And then there's a natural stone. You don't want to use any acid cleaners at all. They could damage the surface of the marble, the granite, or any travertine or anything that's around it. So you got to be careful of that. So with all of these, good idea to maybe start small and see how it goes and before you start spreading the cleaner on the entire surface. <laughs> it's always good to try an area that's not so obvious yeah. first to make sure you don't ruin anything. Now, are there any tips to a successful cleaning job? Because, you know, sometimes you want to make a paste and let it sit on there and draw out the dirt. You know, is there a good trick of the trade here? I guess the only trick I can say is take your time make sure you use the right material. And if you're unsure, ask somebody. Yeah, because you don't want to do it twice yeah. or ruin the yeah, tile. ruin it. Then you're going to have to drag out all the grout and replace it. Now, if the grout is dragging out on its own, <laughs> falling, <laughs> falling apart, and we end up having to replace that grout, it seems like it could be a challenge to get all the old stuff out. How do you approach that project? Well, there's a few different ways you can do it. You can cut it out with a saw, okay. a grout saw with a very thin blade. 
you got to be careful of that because you don't want to cut the tile. Now, is that a hand tool, a grout saw, or is it a power tool? It's a power tool. They have a battery-operated saw that you can get in there and cut it. Okay. Another tool is an oscillating saw. You can actually hit it with your finger, and you won't be cut, but it will cut the grout. Oh, interesting. Pretty, huh. pretty interesting. Then they also have a little tool. It looks like a utility knife, Okay. but it has a flat blade, and you just drag it back and forth on the grout. That seems like a lot of work. A lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that would probably be good if you're getting into kind of the nooks and the cramps. You know, up, up against yeah, the wall. Yeah, hard to get or spots yeah. and stuff like that. But you can drag it, and they also have one that's just a hook, and you can get in there and drag the grout. But you got to be careful that you don't damage the tire with any of those. This all sounds like teeth flossing. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's another chore in itself. Now, if you're going to uh, re-grout, you got to decide now what kind of grout you want to go back in with, and you can choose sanded or unsanded. How would you determine the difference? By the thickness of your grout line. Okay. The thinner the grout line, the harder it's going to be to get a sanded grout into it. So that's when you want to choose an unsanded grout. Because the sand is sort of like the filler, and I generally think of that for like a floor when you've got a bigger tile with a bigger joint. Exactly, exactly. And all you want is a unsanded. It's really like a peanut butter, and mm. you just right. push it right in there. And it will fill up that joint nicely. Any tricks for when you're reapplying that grout? You know, so often you get a haze as you're cleaning off all of the remnants of the grout and that haze sort of reappears. Do you address that right away? Do you let it sort of set up a little bit? Because I've seen haze not disappear. Yeah, well, you just keep wiping it. The biggest problem is is you're using a dirty sponge and dirty water. Mm -hmm. The little trick that I've used over the years is you put your grout in, let it set a little bit, don't let it set too long, wipe it with a clean sponge, change the water a couple of times, and then get a piece of burlap, and then wipe the whole wall down with a burlap hmm. bag, oh, good and done. then it just falls right off, Great and idea. then clean sponge again a couple more times, and you're in business. Now, That's once great. you're all done, do you recommend sealing the grout? You can seal the grout, depends on if it in an area that needs to be sealed, like, for example, the back of a stove or a range where it can get dirty, but it's tricky. You want to make sure you only seal the grout and not the tile. Good advice. Tom Silva, the general contractor on TV's This Old House. Thank you so much for stopping by and brightening up our day with some tips on grout cleaning. Always a pleasure. All right. Catch the current season of This Old House and ask This Old House on PBS. For local listings and step-by-step -step videos of many common home improvement projects, visit thisoldhouse.com. And This Old House and Ask This Old House are brought to you on PBS by GMC Trucks and SUVs. Now that spring is in full swing, you may be finding that between the lawnmowers and the kids' bikes, you may be a bit tight on storage. If that's you, building a shed could be a good solution. We're going to tell you the four most important things to consider when planning one in today's pro project, presented by HomeAdvisor.com, after this. You live in a body pit. Money Pit is presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Whether it's minor repairs or major remodels, leave it to HomeAdvisor to do the work. Check out HomeAdvisor.com. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call here at the Money Pit. You can reach us at 888-MONEY-PIT with all your home improvement projects. 888-MONEY-PIT is presented by HomeAdvisor. You can find out what it costs to do your home project before you hire a pro and instantly book one of the HomeAdvisor's top-rated home pros for free. That's 1-888-666-3974. Tim in Illinois is on the line and looking to tile a bathroom. How can we help you with your project? We're doing a bathroom in a 100-year-old house, and 
we're looking at putting four tile down, possibly with heat under the tile. And I was wondering what the best way to do it by putting a tile on. Do you need to go right to the subfloor, or do you have to have some kind of concrete board underneath the tile with uh, doing heat under the floor? Well, I mean, sometimes the heat is actually put underneath the subfloor itself. So that's another way to do it from the backside. It depends on your access issues. But there's a special type of subfloor that's designed for radiant heat or subslab heat where, especially if it's PEX-based, the piping runs through a channel in the subfloor itself. So it, there's no chance it could get crushed or anything like that. It's a sort of a channeled-out piece of uh, underlayment. And then once that's done, you can put your tile adhesive right on top of that and glue the tile to that underlayment. Okay, this is in an upstairs uh, bathroom, so we won't have access to the bottom side. What kind of a heater, heating system are you thinking about putting in? Is it going to be electric? It'll be electric. We have geothermal in the house itself, so we've got forced air heat, so it would have to be, I think they have some kind of like electric undermat or something like that. And also, I was wondering, is it best to just do the areas where the main traffic areas, you don't need to do the whole floor. Is that correct? No, you don't have to. I mean, it certainly is nice. I, you don't have to go around the toilet, for example. So, yeah, if you went in front of the sink and in front of the toilet and wherever you step out in the shower, then that should be fine. And, yeah, some of those electric heating systems are really nice. They don't use as much electricity as they used to. You can set them up on timers so they you know, heat up right before you go into the bathroom and then time out after that. Okay, so if I get this correct, you can just put like a... Uh a thin set concrete, and then put tile right down onto the subfloor. Is that right? With the heating mat underneath? Right. If it's nice and smooth, you can do that. If it's uneven, and then there's a number of ways to smooth that out, either through an additional subfloor material or by setting mud underneath it. I appreciate your show. Thank you. Good luck with that project, Tim. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, now that spring is in full swing, you might be finding that between the lawnmowers and more, you're just running out of space on that outside storage. Well, sheds can be a great solution, and they can actually be a DIY or a pro project. But before you begin, there are four important things to consider. We've got those tips in today's pro project presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Now, first, you should consider the average cost to build a shed is between about 800 bucks and 4000 Now, that's a big range, but it depends on the materials you choose and whether you're going to do it yourself or hire a pro. But whichever way you go, there are several basic questions you need to ask yourself before you get started with all that shopping. That's right. First of all, you need to really think about, do I need a permit? Well, you might actually, so check with your local building codes and determine if you need a permit to build a shed on your own property. Now, you don't want to find out after you've finished the project that it's got to come down because it violated some building code or zoning ordinance, and believe me, they will make you take it down. It's not just an idle threat, guys. You also need to think about what size and what style is this shed going to be. Do you need something simple and utilitarian, or do you want something that's more decorative? There are a lot of different styles and sizes out there, so be sure to evaluate your home and your property and determine what's the best style for your needs. Now, the next thing you need to think about is where are you going to put this thing? I mean, depending on the size of your property, you've got so many different options for placement. Now, some pretty popular choices might be to build it close to the house, which makes running power and water lines easy, or you can tuck it into the side or back of your property so that it's less intrusive. 
The other thing to think about is your budget. If you've got a tight budget, you can build a simple shed that kind of gets the job done without a lot of frills. But if you've got some wiggle room, look to add features like integrated shelving inside or decorative trim on the exterior, or you can go all out in man cave or she shed and add electricity, heat, water, plumbing, everything. All right. If you do go pro, guys, we recommend that you get a bunch of estimates from at least two or three different contractors before you choose the one pro that's going to help you with the project. And that's today's pro project presented by HomeAdvisor.com. With HomeAdvisor, you can get matched with top-rated home service pros in your area, read verified reviews, and book appointments online all for free. That's HomeAdvisor.com. Still ahead, is your laminate countertop looking old and worn and dinged up? We're going to tell you how you can bring new life to it after this. It is presented by Bonite. Picture-perfect deep green lawns start with Bonite's DuraTurf grass seed blends. DuraTurf grass seed has top-rated varieties that perform in sun, shade, drought, and even heavy use. Bonite products are family-made in America and available at Bonite.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone and give us a call right now with your home improvement question at one eight 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 Money Pit, presented by Home Advisor, where you'll find top-rated home service pros and you can book appointments online all for free. And if you'd like to hear the Money Pit when you want to hear the Money Pit, you can also subscribe to our podcast. It's available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. And remember, while you're online, always head on over to MoneyPit.com and post your questions where we're going to answer all the things that you've got on your mind with your home improvement to-do list. Now, Robin in Florida writes, I have a burn on my laminate countertop near the end and near a seam. Because of the location, I figure this can be fixed, but I'm just not sure how. It's a great question. Now, if you have laminate countertop, you do have some options for repair, but that repair is always going to be visible. They do have fillers for laminate tops, and usually you're not going to find the exact right color, but you'll find two colors that are similar, and you mix them together to kind of get the best match. That said, it will always look like a patch. I have got a much better solution since many of these burns are near the stove. What I've often suggested is this creates an opportunity for a drop-in cutting board. Now, it doesn't have to be wood. It could be granite. It could be any type of cutting board material. But you basically could, with a bit of carpentry skill, cut into the countertop and drop in a cutting board so it's always right there, very convenient, right next to where you cook. Hmm, that's an excellent idea. I love the, I really do like the look of that. And it does seem like a fun solution. And you can always drop in a marble countertop or a marble cutting board, I should say, into your countertop in case you're a big baker. You know, it's fun that people will see this and they'll be like, oh, that's such a great idea. And they'll never know that you did it to fix a burn. <laughs> you're <laughs> never, covering ever. up something. <laughs> All right. Next up, Nancy in Illinois has got a question. She writes, there is water getting into my garage because the garage is lower than the area surrounding it and water runs into it. I'd like to know what to do to fix this problem. Grading, grading, grading. You know, um, whenever you have a garage that's slightly below grade, you have the same issues that you would have if you had a basement, Nancy. And to fix that, you've got to be very careful to manage the drainage outside that wall. So we're talking about grading, making sure the soil slopes away from that partially submerged basement sort of like foundation wall that's got the garage on the other side. And most importantly, 
You need to make sure that the gutter system a exists, B is clean, and C is extending all of that roof water well away from that foundation. I can't tell you how many times I've been called upon to diagnose a water problem around the house and found a very simple cause with downspouts just dropping water right there. It might even be the one slightly uphill for, from it and the water runs down. But if you were to manage that grading and the drainage and all of that water on the outside of those walls, you are not going to have problems with water getting into the garage area and saturating those walls and maybe you can run across the floor, which in a garage is even more dangerous than the basement because it can freeze, right? You step out of the car and you can slip. So you got to be super careful. Oh, yeah. but it's got an easy solution, Nancy. Yeah, but Nancy, Tom's right. It really is an easy solution to fix. And one that once you figure out what's going on, you'll be able to monitor it, maintain it, keep everything nice and dry for the rest of the season. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Thanks so much for stopping by today. Hey, we hope that we were able to help you with some advice for your spring home improvement projects, whether it's a pergola or a roof or a kitchen or a bathroom, whatever's on that to-do list. If you've got questions, you can always reach us 24-7 at 1-888-MONEYPIT or post your question to the Money Pit's community page at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone.